You're listening to Inspired Edinburgh, a weekly interview show that brings you raw and powerful conversations with fascinating people from all walks of life. Our mission is to inspire and encourage you to reflect on your identity, beliefs, purpose and worldview. If you enjoy this, please subscribe for future episodes and feel free to contact us via any of our social media channels. Thank you in advance for taking the time to listen to the show and we hope you enjoy it. Welcome to Inspired Edinburgh, the home of powerful conversations. I'm Elliot Reeves and my guest today is Ben Coomber. Ben is a UK leading performance nutritionist, coach, educator, speaker, writer and multiple business owner. Through your videos, blogs, social media channels, books and seminars, you inspire people to take charge of their health and nutrition and empower them with information to make that change. You're the host of UK's number one rated health and fitness podcast, which is also top 10 in the world, and have interviewed the likes of Ben Greenfield, C.T. Fletcher, Elliot Hulse, Rhonda Patrick, Mike Dolce, and James Haskell, to name but a few. You teach personal trainers and coaches how to be the best coach possible via your online nutrition education program, BTN Academy. I have it written in full here. (laughs) And And you're also the founder of Awesome Supplements, an innovative supplement brand that brings clarity to the confusing world of supplements. You've written for major industry publications such as Men's Fitness, Men's Health, Train, MMA Uncaged and TSN. You speak at major UK events such as Body Power, iFit, Fit Living UK, BeFit, SFN, BP Trade Show and MeFit Pro. And you have consulted and spoken for Sky TV, Twinings TO2, multiple universities, independent and national gyms and numerous health brands. I really need to make this easier for myself. Ben, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thank you, mate. Dude, uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I tried to do you justice with the intro. I think I succeeded, hopefully. It's lucky uh, you're well hydrated because <laughs> you, you might have dried up. It's like walking across the Sahara, so. that. <laughs> I'll be taking a drink in a moment. So, I mean, if we can start with, you know, for anyone that doesn't know who Ben Coomber is, um, yeah, just a bit about your, your early life and, and really your kind of uh, a snapshot of your journey to date and then we can get a bit deeper on that. Yeah, so I think every coach, everyone that tries to inspire other people has had some kind of mottled past and, you know, that's not to say that people don't, because I think everyone has difficulty. But um, the age of 11, my, my parents split up, um, uh, which was a turning point. If people listen to my podcast, I talk a lot, of, uh, a lot about sort of I went through periods of counselling in my life and, and the kind of things that I had to deal with mentally mm-hmm. from how my childhood changed me and programmed me as a person. Um, other than that, I went to a military school, so I lived a very sheltered life. I constantly rebelled as a kid. I was an absolute nightmare, if you ask my mum. And then at the age of 18, after spending what seemed like my, art, my, my life being an artist, being an actor, I left school when I was very overweight. I was 16 stone, and mm-hmm. my natural body weight should have probably been about 10 stone, 10 and a half stone. So I was a big lad, and I just looked at myself in the mirror one day and said, if I want to be successful in my career... I don't feel I can look and perform in this way. I wasn't healthy, had ADHD, asthma, um, IBS, 
And, you know, I wasn't in a good way. I wasn't energized. I wasn't a happy kid anymore. I was happy on the outside because I was used to being an actor, like mm. being the bubbly guy that everyone loves. And deep down, I wasn't a happy person. So that journey spurred me getting into health and fitness. I started running. I started eating better. And the tough bit was is nothing was working. Like I was running and I felt like I was putting in all this effort and I wasn't losing any weight. And I was like, why not? Basically, I got into a massive argument with my brother one day. He said, you're not so perfect. Um, and a few other things happened at that time. And I was like, right, I need, to, I need to turn this on its head. The things I'm doing are not working. So I joined a gym. I happened to fall in the hands of a great trainer, Ben Gray. We're still friends today. And he told me to read a book called How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy by Paul Check. Great book. Uh, and he said, why don't we start lifting some weights alongside the running you're doing and stuff like that. And I literally bought the book off Amazon, read it in a week, applied it. I lost four stone in four months. Oh. I lost another stone and a half in a, you know, a couple of longer months. And I was like, wow, this stuff's cool. And at that point in my life, it kind of made me think about what am I doing? Like, do I want to be an actor? Like the auditions weren't really going that well. And that was probably a sign that maybe that wasn't my destiny. Um, went away traveling and ended up going, why don't I do this health and fitness thing? Like, I've had an amazing journey. It's literally changed my life. So I literally trained to become a personal trainer to help myself more. Like I didn't actually hmm. intend on doing that. Trained to become a personal trainer, nutritionist, massage therapist, all that kind of stuff. Worked as a PT for a while um, and then realized this wasn't my calling. Like deep down, I wasn't meant to just be a one-on-one -on -one coach. Um, so went to university, trained, got a degree, started a business, started another business. And then ever since then, I've been kind of working my way up the industry, I suppose, to be able to help and communicate and speak to many, many, many people. Yeah, fantastic intro and <laughs> incredibly inspiring. I mean, obviously, that's, that's an amazing story. What I think I find really interesting is the fact that people in their lives they, they will make change, but often it's ephemeral or it's temporary. So how were you able to kind of maintain, you know, being uh, fit and healthy, if you like? I think from a young age, I've always been selfish, naturally. My, <laughs> my dad kind of gave me it's that character trait. <laughs> but, you know, we've all got character traits, right? And yeah. I can sit here and identify the fact that my key thing when I wake up first thing in the day is about me. And I don't believe that's a bad thing mm -hmm. because for me to serve other people, for me to be the best partner to my partner, to me to be the best brother to my brother, my leader to my staff, I have to be the best version of myself. So I'm thankful for that character trait. So that character trait early on in my career made me focus on me. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, how am I going to be successful? What do I want to do in my life? I want to travel, so I'm going to go and travel. I want to go to the gym five days a week, so I'm going to do that. And I moved everything out of the way to provide for myself first. And if I look back on you know, my early teen years, early 20s, it hasn't been a negative thing. Um, mm -hmm. And I think when people are younger, they quite often get caught up in other people's lives, going out and doing this. And I did all of that, but I always woke up in the morning and thought, how am I serving myself today? How am I going to improve? And if I always had that box ticked, I'm able to be better for everything in my environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting way of looking at things and I, I need to be fit and healthy to do my job as well like yeah. I need to be fit and healthy to feel great like the day that I get up and I'm, I'm tired I don't want to get out of bed I don't want to go to work I need to sit there and go what, why, why not 
And it's probably because I haven't been looking after myself. And mm-hmm. I get that now and again. Like, you know, I'm a business owner. I have staff. Like, things can get tough now and again. And the only time I get down is when I'm not looking after myself. I haven't taken enough time off or haven't said, you know, that can wait. I'm going to the gym to take an hour for myself. Or, you know, I, I work the weekend and I've worked the last three weekends in a row. And again, just haven't taken time to literally, as our grandparents would coin it recharge your batteries like everyone needs that um yeah 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 so i mean at at the beginning of your um your journey if you like your career path i mean what were your um original ambitions and where would you say you are now relative to when you set out so the ambition's the same it hasn't changed Mm -hmm. the mission is still to help and serve people and to literally make people realize that there's a huge amount of greatness inside them. Like Mm. I use the word awesome all the time. Like people are awesome. They just haven't seen it yet or someone's stopping them or it's just a blocking factor in the way. So I trained to become a personal trainer and I helped people in a one-to-one way, Mm -hmm. boot camps, all that kind of stuff. And I just thought, why stop at helping 20 people? How can I help 200 people, 2,000 people, 200,000 people. And to be able to do that, I needed to change the way that I operated in my business. And I'm fortunate that I had a lot of acting training when I was younger and, you know, I'm willing to put myself out there. And don't get me wrong, sitting in this chair right now isn't a result of my acting training. Sitting in this chair is a result of me being at one with myself and willing and wanting to share my story with other people. Like, mm-hmm. there's no, if no one wants to speak about what they want to do, you're not going to convince them to sit in this chair <laughs> because they don't want to be here. They've yeah. got a blocking factor that's stopping them to talk to other people. <laughs> so really, my acting training just gives me the skills maybe of now how to present myself and communicate to you and, you know, where to look and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I said... Um, you know, when I got to like uh, 23, 24, like what's the next journey for me? Okay, podcasting, awesome. That allows you to speak into a microphone and distribute through iTunes and do cool stuff. Right, YouTube, that means you get to, and it was just about me just taking my game to the next level so I can be heard hmm. by more people. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, what was the, um, what were the steps that you took in establishing your personal brand and how did that coincide with your business commitments? You know, you must have had a lot of things to kind of juggle. You sure. Must still. Um, well, when I first started, so when I first started my first business, it was when I was in university. I was in pretty much my first year at uni. It was the back end. And I had this idea. I was still getting frustrated with being a personal trainer. And it's, it's not that I was a bad one. Um, it's the... Again, I felt my purpose was bigger. Mm-hmm. I, I, I knew it in my heart. And I started my first business because I saw the online movement. I saw everyone was using Facebook and all that hmm. kind of stuff. And I was like, well, what if I do the nutrition thing on Facebook or on a website or on the internet because everyone's on the internet, right? So I had my uni work. I had three jobs at the time. And it's, it's like anything. If you're passionate and you want to do something, you'll find the time somewhere or you'll find an excuse. And I just said, right... Well, only if I've got an hour free a day, I'm going to spend that hour being on Facebook, advising people in a Facebook group about food, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then once I started to invest time in what was happening in my new ecosystem, I saw opportunity. So for example, um, one of the ways that helped me develop a a strong personal brand as a coach is that um, at the time on Facebook, when you went onto a company's Facebook page and posted a question, it formed part of the news feed that everyone saw it on the company's page. You don't Uh, get that anymore. No, you don't. And at the time, (laughs) there was a supplement company called MyProtein, still exists today. And they were a thriving, fast-growing company. So I thought, well, hang on a second. My ideal customer is a young 20 to 30-year-old guy into fitness and nutrition. So why don't I go where all these people are going to buy their supplements and answer all their questions? So every time a question was answered on this Facebook page, I would be the one to answer it, whether it was at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night or 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning, or I was the guy to answer it. So... I was getting massive traction by being an inadvertent expert by just putting myself out there. Yeah. And after about six months, my protein, you know, contacted me and they were like, "What are you doing? <laughs> like, who are you? Seriously? Why are you camped out on our Facebook page? Like, that's the job of X, Y, and Z. Who is our expert?" And I ended up sort of working with them as a company. I started doing some work with them. Became uh, like an expert um, for them. And okay. obviously that then elevated my game. And at the same time, I was obviously doing other things like blogging and videos and that kind of stuff. And then I noticed the podcast and all these things just started to amalgamate. But unless you're in it and you're trying and you're doing and you're testing and you're playing, you don't see the opportunity. Mm. So you've got to play the game hmm. to see where you're next going to play. <laughs> uh, you're a really fun guy to speak to then I try your, 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 <laughs> your acting training has clearly paid off do you, do you think you could potentially go into acting? no because no? I want to I play myself I spent my whole childhood trying to be someone different and it's not a good place to be and now I'm happy to be at a you know I, I did a talk at um, a, a high school in my local town the other day about three weeks ago and it's the most enjoyable talk I've ever done I didn't get paid for it. Um, you know, it was just a food hall in a school, but there was a hundred kids in the audience. I was on stage. I was myself inspiring the next generation to say, this is what I want to do in my life. This is going to be my career. You know, I'm not going to listen to my parents. I'm going to do what I want to do. And that is an incredibly powerful thing. And I think as an actor, you never get to have that connection. Like I go and watch a movie and I'm like, oh, he acted brilliantly. You don't get inspired from that. You enjoy it, but mm. you get inspired by going to an inspirational speaker who can speak with, with power about his journey or what he knows. Like that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of impact I want to have. <laughs> Excellent. I, I I'm going to ask you this now just because I feel as though it's a quite a nice segue into it. Um, you, I've I've heard you speak about the fact that you went to a Tony Robbins seminar, mm-hmm. um, Unleash the Power Within, which I believe is the one that's in the US. Yeah. Um, tell me about that and that overall experience. Yeah. So I got strong armed into going. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I've I've followed Tony's work for a long time. He's an mm. incredibly inspirational guy. He's got a lot of value to give to the world, and I want him to keep doing that. And this this lady who's in our um, nutrition education program, the BTN Academy, she, she kept going, you've got to come and see Tony speak because she's American and she's been to some of his talks. And he's like, it'd be great for you, it'd be great for you. And I'm like, ah, well. and I, I didn't felt I needed it. And that was my ego getting in the way. That was mm-hmm. my ego telling me I'm bigger than what Tony Robbins can give to me as a person, how he can inspire me. Yeah. So anyway, she was um, uh, able to get me a free ticket. 
which I'm very fortunate for. Um, and paid for my travel and accommodation, all that kind of thing. And I said, right, I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to go all in. And I said that to myself. But what I found amazing is I still was not all in. And this is, you know, this I've noticed a huge amount as being a coach over the years is that people say they're ready to change and they say they want this. But really, there's all these barriers and layers that you don't know are there because you haven't done the work to see if they're there. And again, I hadn't done the work to see what was in the way of me progressing as just a human being. Hmm. So I remember the first day we were doing all the stuff and uh, we were, we, we, you get a workbook, which is brilliant, and you work your way through it. And I got to like two thirds through the day and you have to keep meeting different people and shaking hands and sharing the love and just connecting with other people. Yeah. And everyone I connected with so far was like, yeah, nice, this is what I do, this is what you do. And I, I met this um, uh, lady, Cheryl, and she called me out on my bullshit within like two seconds. She just looked at me and she was like, man, who is this guy? And, you know, she was American, very different culture. Me, English, very different culture. And, like, things clashed and she called me out straight away. And she started to break down all my barriers. She was like, why, why would you say that? Why would you do this? Why would you do that? And then I, I was also doing the same, you know, for her. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's why we met each other at the event because she was able to help me. I was able to help her. And we're able to um, have that person to bounce off as you go through this process because very intense process mm. like you leave those four days so inspired but so mentally fatigued like you there's nothing left to give mm. and um i then dropped my wall and you know all this thing people look at the videos of tony robinson and you're on your feet and you're dancing and you're doing all this stuff and i looked at it and i'm like that's ridiculous but you want if you go all in you get why it happens because he talks about where focus goes energy flows yeah so we do exercises to liberate parts of your character that are maybe being crushed or suppressed or your ego's taking over. And it's like, right, now we've created an awareness about this. You know, I just talked about me being selfish. We have an awareness Then we need to create an energy around where we want our focus to go within that selfish behavior. So we, we almost celebrate and bring about loads of energy. And before we got talking, you were talking about doing ice baths and stuff and how it <laughs> creates this incredible intensity of energy around how you feel Mm -hmm. and it's about that it's about saying right what do I want how do I feel where am I going and now let's create a massive fireball and throw it in a direction and I it took me a while to get it and I still struggle to explain it to other people because they're just they're not even halfway there with Mm -hmm. me for me to be able to explain it Hmm. um and it's an incredible incredible journey um I describe it to people that it changed my life and it did Mm -hmm. um and, you know, it was funny. My brother said to me, I was like, it was, how, how has it changed your life? And I was like, um, I think I'm going to struggle to tell you because it's for me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, you haven't moved or you haven't changed job or you haven't. And he, he talked about it from a functional perspective. Yeah. Like you haven't, I can't see the fact that you've changed <laughs> and done something functional. Yeah. And I was like, it's not about that. It's about what's happening in here. Mm-hmm. And it's actually only really for me and the people that it affects but it changed me on a lot deeper level and made me have an even more intense awareness of what drives me as a person. Mm-hmm. And halfway through the process, I thought that maybe we were going to learn ways to kind of uh, suppress areas of your character that you don't like. And it was all about bringing 
awareness intensely of everything and mm. using that energy. It's like I uh, need significance in my life. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons I'm sitting in this chair is in my character, but it's because my dad left me when I was 11. Mm-hmm. I never got love from my dad mm-hmm. and it gave me that drive to have significance. So I cannot suppress that. I have mm-hmm. to work with that. See, it never becomes a negative character trait. And there's nothing wrong with that. We can't view it as negative. But we've got to work at it because it makes me feel whole as a person. And how many people in their life do not feel whole, happy, mm-hmm. complete, um, like they're giving to the world because they're suppressing too much of what makes them them? Yeah. Um, and we all need people like me and you and all different types of characters in the world. So I think that was what I'm really grateful for because it showed me that I should never not apologise for who I am, Mm -hmm. even to myself, Hmm. and to really work with what I've got. How how do you feel about yourself? I feel free. Feel free. There's some work that I need to do in my lifestyle functionally to feel free in my everyday life. And I'm working towards that every day. I'm a, I'm a business owner. You don't get rid of challenges overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I think once I get through that, I feel my character and my functional environment will be content. I feel at the moment my, my character is not allowed to be fully expressed in my environment because okay. my functional environment doesn't support it yet. And I'm currently working to facilitate that. Okay, okay. That's really interesting. Um, in terms of you being at your, um, you know, absolute optimum as a human being, yep. where are you now? And assuming it's not 100%, where would you see yourself if you were operating at like your best mm. all the time? Uh, I'd say I'm only at about 70%. Right. Okay. And I think people you know, watch this now and think, oh, he's got to be more. But my standard's really high mm. for my own life. And this is a coaching technique that I actually, you know, learned from Tony. And he said, you know, sitting here right now in this chair, in this audience, where do you set the standard for your life? And mm. my standard is really, really high. I expect <laughs> a lot from myself. And that doesn't mean I put pressure on myself that it causes anxiety or I feel bad or I don't feel fulfilled. Um, it allows me to say, well, how are you stretching yourself? Where do you want to move towards? How are you going to challenge yourself today? Mm-hmm. And my bar's high and a lot of people have their bar set really low, whether it's um, as a result of their environment, the people that they work with, family conditioning, social conditioning. I teach people to lift their bar right up because if you never lift the standard of your living up, you'll never take different levels of action because you have no reason to. Mm -hmm. You have no reason to up your game. (laughs) And that's why, you know, Great people that do great things in one area of their life generally do great things in other areas of their life because they learn how to stretch themselves. So great sportsmen know how to push themselves simply physically, like a runner. He knows how to go to the limit with his cardiovascular fitness, which means he might then be comfortable going close to his limit in business or a relationship or anything. So I think it's really important to set your bar high, Mm -hmm. challenge yourself, you then start to see that you can have a much higher level of living. And that's kind of one of the things that I really like to inspire in other people because the amount of people that hold themselves back is frightening, Mm -hmm. absolutely frightening. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that was quite a tangent there. (laughs) No, it's excellent. Seriously, like like brilliant. Really uh, love talking about this sort of stuff. Really do. You mentioned your ego. Um, What do you do now in order to 
manager be aware of your ego? Um, I don't let him speak first. Okay. Um, so he might be kind of talking, but I'll I'll take some time. I'll digest that information. I will assess whether that will serve me mm-hmm. in the most positive way. Mm-hmm. I will identify whether anyone else will benefit positively or negative from potentially that action that I might take. And I see this as a, a problem in the modern world. Um, and I'm quite animated about it at the moment <laughs> is that no one takes any time anymore to do anything. We live in such a reactive world that no one's thinking for themselves and self-assessing the process. Like mm. I'm a coach and one of my jobs is literally to just make people stand back and go, stop <laughs> for a minute and you think about this situation. You want to lose weight, as an example. Mm. What could you do now to lose weight? What, what, what could you do? It could be that that person could start drinking water or go out for a run or do whatever, but no one's stopping to think. They're going, oh, I want to lose weight. Oh, I'll jump on Instagram and have a look at what that person's doing. Or we're just skipping from stimulation of the brain to the next stimulation. And we only progress as people in our lives when we stop, we take time, we assess, we write a plan. We write out how we're going to get there with that plan. We write out whether we need money or support or knowledge to bring that plan together. And no one does it anymore. It's because we're spending. And this is why I love putting my phone on aeroplane mode because I get time to myself. Because otherwise that thing is vibrating across the thing. Instagram, Facebook, it's all going off. (laughs) Because I like to have time to think and be at one with myself and reflect and mm-hmm. be objective and ask, what do I want next? Rather than just kind of almost medicating my mind with constant social media uh, input. And apparently the statistics say that we're on two hours, uh, on our phone two hours a day now. That's frightening. Yeah. If I asked you to sit here now and say, right, take out your phone and you're going to sit on it for two hours, you'd think that's crazy mm-hmm. and you'd probably struggle But it's because we go on and off our phone all day, like every spare moment. You literally get up in the morning, you're sitting there having a poo, you're on your phone. People are on their phone having a poo. It no longer takes two minutes to have a poo. It now takes 10 minutes because you've gone through your whole of your Instagram feed. So we think we're saving time. We're thinking we're doing so many things with social media. And I'm not taking away from social media Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. it's literally my job. But people (laughs) need to know where their boundary is to allow themselves to switch that thing off be objective and move forward as a person. Yeah. Rant over. Oh, no, great. <laughs> Again, awesome rant. Um, and there's so many questions that I could potentially ask you on the back of it. But, um, yeah, I'm going to go with this one, actually. This is a, this is a tricky question for myself because, you know, I'm, I'm a bigger guy. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed that you've been posting about, and that's obviously in, in a, the media quite a lot at the moment, is, is obesity. Yep. Why do you think it's such a big problem? And what do you think could or should be done in order to tackle it? Holy moly, that is a big question. Um, So, you know, there's no word of a lie. We live in a hyper-calorie world. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to over-consume your your daily calorie intake. Mm -hmm. You can go out for a lovely meal with your partner, have a starter, main, dessert, two or three alcoholic drinks, which is pretty normal, hmm. and put away 2,000 calories. Yeah. Now, if you're a small female, you, you know, you, you weigh 65, 78, 75 kilo, that's already your daily calorie allowance in one meal. 
So when we just look at that objectively and how a lot of a lot of us live our lives and like to have fun in our lives, you can see why it's very easy to be overweight. So there's no word of a lie, the food's the problem. There is obviously an education issue, mm-hmm. um, but most people know what's relatively healthy, give or take. So I don't think the education is a massive issue. Yeah. I think the big thing with you know the food that we eat is just simply have an awareness of the impact of some of the decisions we make. So take that meal, for example. If you do go out and have a nice three-course meal, most people won't think, okay, how will that impact my health and my weight? And should I do anything maybe before or after that to counter that? Mm-hmm. So my granny used to say, you know, when I was younger, and it almost seemed natural back then, is, oh, I'm only having a light dinner because I had a big lunch. Bloody logic, right? <laughs> no one does that anymore. No. Um, and just having an awareness of that is actually really, really important. If I go out for dinner mm-hmm. tonight, which I'm going to do in Edinburgh, um, I'm going to say to myself, well, I've already eaten lighter today. I've only had two meals today, both of them are about 500 calories. So I can go out and have a big dinner tonight and enjoy myself and it not have a negative impact. But I took the initiative to plan that. So we do need an awareness around food. Um, people need to say no. That's another big problem, um, especially adults. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're in so many different environments where people say, oh, do you want this? Do you want a piece of cake? Do you want another <laughs> bottle of wine? Like, and people's natural thing, because people are nice, which is nice. Oh, yeah, sure. And then they haven't actually stopped for a second and thought, actually, if I have pudding, yes, I'll enjoy it for two minutes. But will it serve me? Will it serve my weight? Will I wake up tomorrow thinking, oh, I'm happy with all the choices that I made yesterday? Mm-hmm. People are not doing that. Um, there's a massive, and if you spoke to, speak to most of the medical community that are working in kind of obesity prevention, this is one of the things that they're hanging their hat on, is we're so inactive. Mm. Still, like so inactive. You know, you think most of the jobs 20, 30, 40 years ago would have been quite manual labor. People would have walked places, biked, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. We are so inactive. Hmm. And I even say that as like an active guy. You know, I might go to the gym and do quite intensive training, but there's days like today, I've literally walked 500 steps today. And I'm not going to have an opportunity to walk anymore. Um, Whereas I went on holiday uh, to Greece last week and I was literally doing 20,000 steps a day. And I didn't really think I was doing loads, but that's a significant impact. If you're not able to burn calories, it's going to be very easy to overeat. Your food, yeah. Um, and then I think there's a is a, is a big sort of happiness problem. I think mm-hmm. people take comfort in food, comfort in alcohol, um, and that's not a good place to be in long term. I get why people do it. Mm-hmm. It's part of their life that they might enjoy for a moment, or they feel they have control in that moment. But it is not the solution. Mm-hmm. So I think they're probably the key things currently. I think is a problem with the obesity epidemic. Yeah. Just purely out of curiosity, where do you think the responsibility lies in terms of ameliorating or improving the situation? It it relies with every individual. Okay. I'm going to say just blanket statement over the age of 18. But ultimately (laughs) it comes down to you. Okay. For young people, the parent is responsible. Yeah. You can't get away from that. Mm-hmm. You feed your child the food. You educate them on the home environment. You create the environment mentally, emotionally, and functionally. So the parent is in charge there. But, you know, I, I hit 18 and I was like, I'm obese. 
I've got IBS, I've got ADHD, I've got asthma. Am I going to solve them? Yes, I am. And I just went on a journey to solve them. So people have to accept that. But the problem is, is people don't feel empowered by that because, you know, they maybe don't believe in themselves. Their parents have taught them a certain way. Their environment isn't conductive to being fit and healthy. Like mm-hmm. you could work in an office with 20 people that are all overweight, where the cake at 11 o'clock in the morning is the norm. Well, if you're in that environment, that's your environment. You are a product of your environment. Mm -hmm. So it might mean that you have to change jobs or you have to find a different environment which shows you a different way. Um, You know, even like health Mm. and fitness, like your workout. I say to people, if you don't walk into your gym and feel inspired, find a new gym. (laughs) Because you won't work as hard. You won't Mm. do as much because you won't feel it in that environment. I always give the description of um, my favourite ever gym is Jack Lovett's gym in uh, uh, Newcastle, Durham. And it's the one gym, not the one gym because there's loads of amazing gyms, but it's the gym that's cultivated this feeling in me the most where I've walked in and I've gone, oh my God, I want to (laughs) exercise. How many people can say that? It might be that that person hasn't found their thing yet. They don't enjoy it. They don't enjoy the people. It's at the wrong time. Like Whatever it is, just change the environment. Yeah, good answer. Tough questions, good answers. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of yourself, I mean, what do you think are some of the habits that have helped you get to this stage, you know, that you're at? You've got a big personal brand, you've got businesses, you're, um, you know, a respected speaker and in the, the industry. What's helped you do that? A willingness to fail is mm. probably the biggest thing. Mm. So many people are scared to fail. Um, I haven't learned to be better at what I am doing without learning how to fail. Um, you know, you, you watch my early YouTube videos. They're rubbish. You listen to my early podcasts. They're rubbish. They're, it's all rubbish. But I had to do it to learn how to be better. Um, I was 18 and I wanted to be slim. I failed a lot. But it taught me how to eat better, how to move better, how to exercise for, for enjoyment. Um So really, it comes down to trying and failing and then finding a better path. Like when I was at uni, in my third year of uni, when everyone else is just concentrating on their dissertation and probably still getting pissed most of the time, I had five jobs. Why? Because I wanted to learn, I wanted to experience, I wanted to experiment. I also didn't want to be poor like every other student. Um, but I was trying. So I was working mm. in a school. I was working in pro sport. I was working in a gym. I was working online and I was working in a bar. That's five different environments that showed me, do I want to do this? Do I want to go here? What am I passionate about right now? So I'm just willing to try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you made a podcast um, recently. Um, I think I I think I listened to it on uh, YouTube, actually, where you speak about 2017 being the hardest year of your life. Yep. Um, I'd like if you could maybe go into a bit of detail as to why um, it was a difficult year and, you know, how you've kind of come out the other side of it. Mm. So I spent most of 2017 as a business owner facing bankruptcy. It was a very tough year, a very tough year for myself, my staff, my partner, people around me um, and you know don't get me wrong there was probably moments where I thought am I doing the right thing mm-hmm. should I quit but I started it all with a mission and I have to look back at my background and say right what's my history 
as a coach, as a business owner, as a, as a human being. My history is I'll find a way. Hmm. I will. I might knock on three doors that are wrong and then I get a crack in the fourth door and I'm like, oh, perhaps there's something here. And then I think, turn it on his head. And I'm like, right, here's the solution. So, you know, a lot of people would have thrown the towel in. They maybe would have completely pivoted. Um, but I didn't because I know the mission. And I've also always looked and observed people that have been there and done it themselves already. So mm-hmm. if we look at anyone that's great, Richard Branson, The Rock, like two people that I think are fantastic, Jamie Oliver, like mm-hmm. they've all had their setbacks. They've all faced bankruptcy. They've all been called out in the media. They've all said something they shouldn't have done. They've all lost something, hurt someone, you know, whatever. They've done bad stuff and they've had to work through pain. And I thought, well, I could do that. So I made some bad decisions early on in my uh, sort of business journey when I was scaling my business because I made the decision, do I stay where I'm at or do I take it to the next level and build that business that could serve hundreds of thousands of people in a very meaningful way? And I made that decision to grow a bigger business. Mm. And it's really hard work, <laughs> really hard work. And, you know, I obviously put a lot of pressure on my cash flow to grow. You need money. I was bringing in staff. I was hiring the wrong staff. I wasn't character profiling them well enough. Like what people did I actually need in my business mm-hmm. to work with me? Um, and maybe I wasn't checking in enough. Um, I'm naturally someone that will shy away from anything number related. It's a real weakness of mine. Like, don't get me wrong, I can do my, you know, six times table. But if you put an Excel document in front of me with lines and numbers and yeah. stuff, my brain literally melts. <laughs> just don't have one of those brains i'm all about pictures and words and and movement i'm I'm very good with that stuff i'm very creative brain Mm -hmm. um so i I took my eye off it because i wasn't naturally good enough at it shied away from it and really i didn't understand how to get into all the details so it was a combination of sort of those decisions um and me making the decision to go to the next level that just put a lot of pressure on it and it's 2018 what is it it's the beginning of may right now um, I'd say we're break even in our business. Like we're still surviving. We're not mm-hmm. thriving by any means, but I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know that we're doing the right thing. I know we're building products, services, initiatives that are serving people in meaningful ways. Um, you know, my podcast, for example, uh, it's grown 20% alone this month. I've served 110,000 people wow. this month with my message and my voice. So I look back at that data and go, well, yeah, we are we are doing some really cool stuff. Hmm. So keep going and things will work itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there's days where I wake up and look at the cash flow and go, oh man, <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd love, you know, I'd love more than a basic wage this month. But sometimes that's not part of the mission. Sometimes mm-hmm. you get rewarded, sometimes you don't. Um, but I'm in here because I'm meant to be here inspiring other people. So I focus <laughs> on that mission and I just let everything else kind of take care of itself. Hmm. The strongest trees grow in the strongest winds. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But what what's, I think, quite fascinating is that it takes, well, it, firstly, it takes an enormous amount of courage and humility to actually share that. You could easily not have bothered. Why did you decide to share it? I felt dirty. Okay. It's like the only thing that I hadn't shared. And all throughout my kind of, sharing journey with other people i'd shied away from money and i think everyone shies away from money and i thought hang on 
I'm this guy that's honest about everything. I've talked mm-hmm. about my upbringing. I've talked about counselling. My health. Everything is on the table. Why haven't I talked about money? And I think I don't want to seem like egotistical. Like I don't want to. I don't want to be in a bar and like tell someone how much I earn and then like make them feel bad or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. But the reality is, I or you or anyone might earn a certain wage as a result of their effort of their value to the world Mm -hmm. most people get paid based on their value to the world Mm -hmm. or how good they are at cultivating money and i was i'm doing my podcast and i'm like i'm sharing everything about this one thing and it's the most painful fucking thing in my life right now Mm -hmm. why am i not sharing it and i literally got to christmas and i i didn't actually have a podcast recorded and i sat there in front of the microphone and i was like I need to tell the story. And I literally just turned on the microphone and I said, I'm not sure how this is going to come out, but this is the story I'm going to share. This is the biggest pain in my life right now. And it is very painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is painful because money makes the world go round. Yeah. Like it pays for our house, our food, like everything. And um, I kind of made a pact with myself then to stop shying away from literally anything and everything. Why can't we talk about money? Why is it socially unacceptable? Like hmm. I love talking to another business owner and saying, right now, what's happening in your business? How much money are you turning over? What margins do you have? It's not because I want to get the upper hand mm-hmm. or I want an inside track. I'm genuinely interested. I love how business works. I love how it makes the world go round. Like money literally makes the world go round. Yeah, so we yeah. need to know how to use it and leverage it. Um, and I felt so free after I'd done that podcast, so free. And I I then thought, I've got more to share. So I did a part two, Mm -hmm. and I've now been, you know, interviewed on it quite a few times because I (laughs) suppose there's not many people willing to talk about it. And I'm not not talking about it in an egotistical way. It's fact. Like, you know, I'll openly talk about my financial history with everyone. Like, I've had massive successes in my business, and I've had massive failures. (laughs) And you look at anyone's business or career journey, goes up and down and up and up and then down and you might hit rock bottom and then you come up again mm-hmm. so uh, that's just a reality and i'm not going to shy away from the reality anymore mm. again i you know i applaud you for uh, your willingness to to share that um you know when you just have really dark days you can't be bothered um you just feel like kind of jacking it all in i mean what do you do to lift yourself up so, uh, take copious amounts of drugs. Um, no. <laughs> good start. It's a good start. Woo! <laughs> when in doubt, get high. Um, I do what needs to be done in my day. So, I swallow the frog. You know, I do the most important things. Mm-hmm. And then I say, you know, can I take the rest of the day off? Can I do something that I enjoy? Because usually I've got to that point because I literally haven't recharged my batteries. You know, uh, the first quarter of this year, I worked relentlessly. Um, I worked nearly every weekend of the first three months of 2018. I was on the road doing seminars, doing loads of stuff. Um, I got injured from rugby, which is my sport. And I thought, right, I'll go all in on work because we're still not in a good place yet. And I got to the end of like March kind of time and I was just frazzled. Mm. Like I was like, I need to get away. Um, and luckily it was the Easter weekend. I literally turned my phone off for the Easter weekend and I came back after the Easter weekend and I was like, that's how I'm meant to feel. <laughs> that's Ben Coomba. <laughs> so when I don't feel my best, I just know I haven't 
taken enough time for myself. And I think everyone has to do that. And it gets harder as you become an adult. I get it. Like, you know, we get kids, we get busy jobs, like stuff happens. But most people are awful at asking for help. Like one of my employees came to me this week and said, I'm a bit burnt out. I need a couple of days off. I'm like, have it, take it, whatever. Whether it comes out your holiday or not, I don't care. I don't want you here being not your best self. Mm -hmm. You know, how often do people say, hands up, right, I'm feeling really fatigued. Can I have a couple of days off, please, boss? Or saying to your partner, like, I'm really tired. Will you take the kids for the day? Or ringing up your mum and saying, you know, will you help me out? We don't, we feel bad for putting people out. But we grew up in small societies that were designed to help and support each other. You know, small mm. communities of like 40, 50, 60, 80 people. One guy would make your, your horse hooves for you. Another guy would make the bread. We are a helping community, but we're scared of helping anymore. Yeah. And we need help to be able to get our space back, our energy back. Like when me and my uh, fiance go on holiday, I always take an afternoon or two for myself. I'm like, I'm not on holiday to just spend time with you. I'm also on holiday for myself. I need that. Mm. I need it to be my best self. You need it to be your best self. Two people with each other for seven days intensively. (laughs) But people won't allow that emotion to come to fruition. Mm -hmm. What's wrong with me saying to my partner, I need half a day to myself. Like Mm. this weekend, rather than spending two days together, Let's spend one and a half days together. I need to go canoeing with the lads or I need to, you know, do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. It's time for you. And that's one of the reasons why I like playing sport because it's, it's my thing. I go away, you know, I spend the afternoon with the lads. We play rugby. We beat some people up. It provides for me. Um, yeah. And I think, pe- I think people need that, but they've got to be brave and know it's okay to ask, to have permission to have that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. We could probably fill multiple interviews with this, but just kind of succinctly, um, what does your current training schedule and diet kind of look like? So uh, diet isn't always perfect, and that's how I teach everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. When I'm at home and I have full control over my nutrition, I eat brilliant food. I try and eat as much fruit and veg as humanly possible, 8, 10, 12 portions a day, because I feel amazing when I do. Mm. Um, I have quite a high-protein, high-vegetable diet, Mm uh, kind of know, paleo no I just I just eat natural food yeah and plenty of it um you know I, I exercise quite a bit so I eat quite a bit um alcohol is a mainstay in my diet I love beer I uh, love gin and like fine whiskey and stuff so you hmm. know you'll see me have a beer two three sometimes four times a week but it's only one maybe okay. two um so in the grand <laughs> scheme of things it's literally nothing and I think you know, with nutrition, the sooner you restrict things from mm. yourself, you want it even more. Hmm. I enjoy beer. There's nothing wrong with having a couple of cans a week. Um, so I eat really well. When I go on the road, I don't always eat so well. So for lunch today, I had an egg sandwich and a packet of crisps. Not ideal, but it won't force me to overeat. I'll very, very rarely overeat. Why? Because it doesn't serve me. Being overweight doesn't serve me. I don't enjoy it. Mm. I've been obese. I'm not going back there. So I might not eat great food, but I don't overeat. And then training, it comes in fits and starts. Um, In the rugby season, I'm doing a lot more because I've got rugby and the gym. Like right now, sitting here, I haven't been to the gym for two weeks, uh, which is unfortunate, but I went on holiday and then I've just been so busy since I got back with my 
a traveling schedule. Um, mm. I, I just don't generally tend to go to the gym when I travel because it tends to just be a bit of a nightmare, you know, carrying gym stuff, getting to a gym, not having stuff to change, all that stuff. I just like to keep things simple. So um, if I'm consistent, it's usually like four or five times a week that I'll exercise pretty intensely. Uh, these days, I like to try and get outdoors and do much as, as much as possible. I love, mm. I've got a canoe. So in the summer, I'll get out canoeing. I'll go running with the dog. I've got a home gym. So mm. sometimes I'll go in my garage gym. I'll just pick four exercises. I'll go at it hard for 40 minutes and then I'll get out. Mm. You know, training for me is to make me feel good, to have some time for myself, but fit for purpose. And that key purpose is for me to feel good about myself. So I don't really have a particular training style. I do things that I'm enjoying at a particular time or, you know, something that I might want to experiment with. Um, you know, so you won't hear me say, oh, I just lift heavy weights. Sometimes I lift light weights. Sometimes I just run. Sometimes just do whatever because I want to constantly enjoy what I'm doing. Awesome. Great answer. <laughs> We've been fairly deep in the conversation already, but um, we're going deeper. Okay. <laughs> So I've got some questions for you that uh, sort of philosophical topics, um, starting with purpose. And, and you've kind of, I suppose, touched upon this, but what do you feel is really your kind of purpose in life? To help people live an awesome life, whether that is through just losing some weight, realising that they're in the wrong career, knowing what their purpose is for themselves, being able to work for a blocking factor. I think that's why I've got a lot of things on my plate. You know, I own quite a few businesses and we have quite a few different things going on. And it, it's just me trying to find ways of and products that have solutions for people. So I just want to allow people to wake up. Um, losing weight and finding myself changed my life. Like mm. if I didn't lose weight, I have no idea where I'd be right now. I'd probably be very unhappy, very overweight, struggling with an acting career that probably has never got off the ground. Mm. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. So because that part of my life changed my life, I want people to have that same journey. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to dictate what that journey looks like or how it should be, but I just want people to have their own transformative journey so they can say to themselves, this is my purpose. This is what I want to do. This is what makes me happy. <laughs> What would you like your legacy to be? That I had an impact on the world. It's mm -hmm. as simple as that. Like if I died and, you know, people were going to turn up to my funeral, mm -hmm. I'd like people to say, oh, Ben, you know, he helped me realise this about myself or he helped me lose six stone or that I created value in someone else's life. And, and that's why I want to keep doing videos, writing books, doing public speeches, because I'm able to have that impact on the world. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, looking ahead then, I mean, where do you see yourself in, say, five years' time? You know, do, what yeah. do you see yourself doing and what does it look like? Um, I don't know what I'll be doing every day. Mm -hmm. I don't know what my business will look like, but mm -hmm. I know that I will keep trying to serve other people. I'll mm -hmm. keep trying to inspire people. So I want to do more public speaking. It's, it's where I feel alive. Uh, sitting in this chair now as well, I feel alive. I'm like, <laughs> I know that there's going to be people watching this thinking, yeah, that's cool. I could do that. I need to do that. I want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think I'll move more into kind of like TV, radio, kind of more mainstream media. Mm -hmm. I've probably got like 
12 books that I've mapped that I want to write. And I'd like to have the time to write those books because there's, there's so much that I want to share. There's so many ways I think I can package things for people that helps them on their journey. So think it will just be me elevating my game and I'll probably go off in tangents and start talking about this a bit more or that a bit more mm-hmm. but it's also part of my learning like I feel if I feel passionate about something then I'm going to produce my best content my best message like I've been talking a lot for the last two to three years on mindset but mm-hmm. it's helped me the most so if I've realized that about myself I can create the best content to help other people and then I might start talking about training a bit more or about finance and my, I don't know mm. but it's about me helping and serving other people and do you think that might um kind of you know end up with you diverging from the health and fitness industry I don't know um I don't know there's loads of things I want to do I want to write books I want to be on TV I want to speak I want to build gyms um nice. the reason why I want to build gyms is I want a gym is an ecosystem where you can help and control and inspire someone's health and fitness journey. And I really respect gym owners all mm. over the world because they're creating places to be their best selves. You know, the amount of people that you see walk into a gym, lose weight, get stronger, and then have more confidence, feel better about themselves, realize that they don't like their job or their relationship. It is a massive catalyst for change. And I love that. Mm. Um, and for me, and keeping my interest in kind of business and my career, I like building things. Mm-hmm. So like I can build a gym, get loads of people in, get the right team. I've literally got every system that a gym would need. I own a supplement line, I own a body transformation program. I train personal trainers to be nutritionists. Like I have all the products that you would fit into a gym and build it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd love to, you know, build one in Edinburgh, build <laughs> one in Manchester, build one in London, because I know there'll be hubs where people can come in and get an incredible and inspiring journey. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, it's from my mum, and she just said, follow your dreams. That was it. Um, you know, I had two very different parents in my life, mm-hmm. and uh, dad was classic, military, structure, security, safety, and mum was like, fly uh with your pants in the wind <laughs> take every day as it comes and luckily she was my primary influence in most of my life and she just always said at school like if you're not good at that focus on that and follow your dreams and mm-hmm. um i think that enabled me to just keep finding my way and finding my path without any boundaries or shackles hmm. how do you define success what does success look like for you um i think purpose comes a lot into success um i think more than people like to identify we are purpose-driven animals um i wake Mm -hmm. up every day and i have to ask myself what is my purpose (laughs) okay my purpose is to serve and inspire others okay how am i going to do that today and if i get to the end of the day and i'm unhappy with my day i have to say what stopped me from living my purpose because then i haven't been successful at being myself So success can look like anything to people, money, family, um, holiday, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But people have to have purpose behind what they're doing. And usually I don't feel successful when I'm having to deal with or do things in my business that I don't enjoy. So I have to say, right, how do I quickly put a bandage or a solution on that? Do I need a system or a staff member or something 
to enable me to get me back to living my purpose, which is sitting in this chair right now, recording mm. my podcast, being out on the road, teaching, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's why I talk to people about, you know, their jobs and stuff. Like your job is what you spend your, in theory, purpose-driven hours doing every day. So if you don't like your job, you have to leave your job. You have to find a way out because mm. you're not going to live with purpose. And mm -hmm. I believe we're purpose-driven animals. Mm -hmm. hmm. um, if you could master any skill or habit, what would it be? I think it would be probably something like gymnastics. Oh, cool. Okay. And the reason why Didn't I say this, <laughs> the reason why I say this is um, I can't straighten my right arm, and there's quite a restriction there. And is that injury related? Uh, we don't know. I've I've tried Seriously? for 13 years to find a solution, and no one has a solution. Wow. Um, either way, it won't straighten. So. I, I love human movement, really respect people that can move beautifully, people that do like calisthenics, gymnastics, you know, yeah. break dancing, all that kind of stuff. Capoeira I'm like, type stuff. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah. And I can only do part of it because mm. I can't do like stands for a long period of time. Like Olympic weightlifting, for example, if I put a bar above my head, more than about 60 kilos, my arm's like, because it's forcing the muscle in and it fills up with blood and compresses. So I'd, that's like my major physical restriction mm. and that bugs me from time to time don't get me wrong I'd be lying if it didn't and it kind of feels like the one thing I can't do so I can't do a handstand for a long period of time I can't hold my weight like things like that okay. um, and I don't like not being able to do stuff I want to be able to try more so that's the thing I'd want to be able to master okay I wonder why that is if you know <laughs> I'd like to know <laughs> If you had the opportunity to speak to your 20-year-old self, what would you say? Wow. Uh, I would probably just say, am I, am I doing the right thing? <laughs> Is there a door I should close that I've opened? Um, I think like any th anyone, you want a life hack. You want to be able to say like, Is that the right decision to make? Should I spend that money? Should I kiss her? Should I take that job? We all want that. And I think, you know, people say to me, do you have any regrets in stuff that you've done? And I'm like, well, I do, but I don't because those regrets have shaped a person that is better today. Mm -hmm. So regret never serves us. Regret is a negative emotion. Mm -hmm. So if I spend any time there, it's not conductive to me moving forwards. Um, and I know some people will be sitting here thinking there's a certain amount of pain in their regret. Mm. well good because pain should get you to move somewhere it should get you to take action um, so I'd ask for a little bit of insight but I don't want to get carried away because I need to find out for myself and ultimately mm. it's, it's the journey mm. like my 20 year self has a certain amount of success and failure and love and pain there's only so much you can take that away mm. mm -hmm. you've got to go through it and it's about us learning to be Stronger people, better characters, better partners, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, I'm just thinking at 20, you had lost your five and a half stone. Yeah. So what would you have said to your 18-year-old uh, heavy self? Uh, probably go lift some weights. 
I did a lot of running. Weightlifting was really good for me. Uh, maybe stronger. Obviously, helped shape my body. Yeah. Um, it made my body start to look a certain way, which I wanted. Like, there's no word of a lie that I want to look good naked. Like, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna look like, oh, boom, yeah, he could go on the front cover of Men's Health, you know, yeah. with, with a week's worth of touch-up sort of thing. Um, you know, I wanna, wanna be able to have that for myself. So, yeah, I would have said to him, lift some weights earlier. If you could have anyone's physique, whose would it be? Oh, Jesus. Um, I don't know. Probably like the classic centre of a rugby player or like a, a premiership style winger. But that that's just like the epitome of an athlete. Like if we looked at mm-hmm. like, you know, the Greek athlete, they'd look athletic and strong. I look pretty athletic and strong, but I've had to work quite hard to create that. And I'm not taken away from any athlete that's got themselves to a certain level. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's some people that have very strong genetics and, you know, they get in the gym a little bit and they look brilliant. I remember there was a, a rugby player that I played with at university and he'd go to the gym literally like one day a week and he looked <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, don't know. <laughs> you know, just lifting a bit of weights and looked amazing. I was like, oh, damn. <sighs> So yeah, like probably like a premiership rugby winger. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm doing all right. Yeah. I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah, I'm for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Last question is uh, the secret weapon, big one. If you could change anything in the world, what would it be and why? Ah, oh, do you know what? Having listened to, uh, I've got a current man crush. He's uh, Jordan <laughs> B. Peterson. Uh, I think he he's serving the world in an incredible way. He's talking about stuff that needs to be talked about in the world. I think one of the things that needs to change is that um, the world has changed. Like we are living in a very different world. Mm. And the things that we're doing on a societal level are no longer serving us as as people, as nations. And I think the the power people that are holding the keys to a lot of things that could and should change need to accept that the world has changed need to accept that there needs to be some form of dissipation of power in places like you know my my fiance works in the nhs and we Mm. constantly talk about how the nhs is absolutely it's not in a good place like we we all know we can all see it yeah but there's got to be someone really strong at the top making really bold changes that gets people to change all the way down. And that's something that has to change. It has to change alongside people's awareness of health. You know, people can't stop putting the same amount of pressure on the NHS. Like my fiance will tell me stories where people are turning up uh, their doctor's surgery and A&E for the most ridiculous things that you mm. literally could Google and be like, okay. I'll just take some paracetamol or I'll put a bandage, like literally ridiculous stuff. And I'm like, our NHS needs to be there to save lives. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's designed to do. Not to, can you have a look at my bruise or my shin? <laughs> yeah. So I just want to see that we make the changes in the world that we need to, to progress in the world that we now live in. Things are changing very quickly. The new generations coming through are behaving and thinking and industry is different. Jobs that people are doing are different. Like, there's a guy sitting in a chair doing an interview now, you know, building a personal brand that's contributing to his career. Mm. Like people didn't do that 30 years ago. That's, that's now <laughs> yeah. a new thing. Yeah. Um, so I want to see big people at the top making big decisions that change the things that need to be changed. Yeah. Awesome. Jordan, Jordan Peterson for president. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, excellent, Ben. I, I can't tell you how much uh, fun I've had doing this interview. It's been absolutely awesome. Thank I'm you. Uh, enormously um, grateful for your time, your your candor, your honesty. Um, finding out more about you has been it's been a huge amount of fun. Dude, so I just want to say thank You're you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's been you a pleasure, <laughs> Ben. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. You've been listening to Inspired Edinburgh. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe for more powerful conversations. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show and we'll see you at the next episode.